0: Well, good evening. It's good to see you all back out tonight. I hope you all enjoyed your afternoons. Uh, we're able to relax or spend some time with family. But it's great to see you back out as we assemble together uh, to worship God once again. <clears throat> the topic that we're going to be studying this evening is one uh, that the elders uh, requested uh, some time ago. And so Jeremy and I have plugged several of these into Sunday evening sermons and this is one of them that I'll be honest with you, I haven't been super excited about um, about presenting. However, however, it is not because it's not an important topic. And it's not because it's not one that needs to be discussed. It's because I don't know, maybe you have similar feelings as I do in regards to anything COVID-related. I have a great deal of fatigue around some of these things. And I I just wish we didn't have to keep talking about them, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. But the reality is, especially as it pertains to our worship, this concept, and it's in quotation marks for a reason, online worship or worshiping from home, live streaming services, whatever framework you want to use to describe that, it is something that was brought to the forefront during COVID, but it is something that is just getting started in regards to how we are going to have to deal with it as Christians in this world. As I was preparing for this, just out of my own curiosity, I looked it up. and I was talking to Jake about this before we started. Facebook Live, which is one of the predominant ways in which uh, congregations and, and churches around the world have streamed many of their services over the past several years, Facebook Live launched for the very first time in August of 2015. That's less than seven years ago. YouTube Live, which is the other predominant platform in which you see a lot of of churches streaming services, that didn't come around to all of its users until the end of 2017, less than five years ago. And so while it may feel as if we've been talking about this forever and having to deal with this topic for a long time, this is actually a very new situation that we're faced with as Christians in regards to how we're going to handle it. And as we'll see as we go through our study this evening, while the specifics of what we're going to talk about may be new, as with just about everything else, the problem itself is an old one. And it is something that we can gain a lot of instruction and guidance through the study of God's Word in regard to how we deal with something, even as quote-unquote new as this topic is. And it also may seem that this perhaps may even be a little bit of a dated lesson. As we look around, especially in our state and in our cities, many, if not all, of the restrictions or the guidelines that were put in place That brought this to the forefront of our attention have now been lifted. There's no longer any restrictions in regards to our assembling together that either the state or even the federal government or local governments are still enforcing here locally. That's not the case in some other places, but here locally we no longer have to deal with how we're going to handle and navigate through some of those restrictions. However, here is why I don't believe this to be a dated topic and why I think it's one that is perhaps even more prevalent now than it was during the time of COVID. What once was seen as a temporary necessity or an acceptable compromise due to the circumstances is now at risk of becoming a luxury or a convenience. And that is why this is such a dangerous temptation. And I'm using those words very intentionally. This idea of sitting at home and watching services, live streaming services, it is a dangerous temptation. We once placed it under the category of a temporary necessity due to the circumstances. But it very quickly has moved from that category into a category of convenience. And that, that my friends, is Satan at work in our lives, and in our society. Because one of his biggest tools is the, t- is the temptation to compromise in the name of convenience. And that is what he is asking us to do, that is what he is seeking to get from us as he puts things like this in the world. Opportunities where we can sit in our, at our homes, on our couches, And pull up any, practically hundreds of of congregations around the country, their services in real time. You could be sitting on a boat in the middle of a lake. And pull up hundreds of streams of congregations as they assemble together to worship. And it's very easy to convince ourselves that we are taking part in that worship assembly but there are several reasons that I want to discuss with you this evening. I hopefully can, can challenge us all in the way that we think about this and show why this is the, the dangerous temptation that it is and why we need to continue to give serious thought and consideration to how we approach this. And the first one, I'm going to ask you to turn to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, which I'm sure is not a surprise to anyone. Anytime we're going to talk about worship and specifically our presence within the worship assembly, Hebrews chapter 10 is a passage that is going to come to the forefront of our minds. But I want you to to listen to this, follow along as I read these passages, and, and specifically think about it from the perspective of the point that I have up here on the screen. And that is the reality that when we stream a worship assembly, when we watch a worship assembly we are turning a worship assembly into a spectator event and that is not what the collective worship that God set up for his people is intended to be whether you are sitting in this building or sitting at home on your couch worship is not intended to be a spectator event so think about that as we read these verses together beginning in verse number 11 of Hebrews chapter 10 And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds, I will write them. Then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is a remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Sometimes Hebrews chapter 10, and specifically verse 25, can be an easy way of telling someone how you're supposed to be at worship. But in the context of the passage that we just read, it gives us the why that we read about in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Why is that so important? Why is that a directive given to us by the Holy Spirit? It's because let us, let us, let us. You see, it's not let them. It's let us. And specifically... In verse 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly as is the habit of some. You have a role to play within the collective worship assembling of the Lord's saints. You have a responsibility to me. I have a responsibility to you. You have a responsibility to the person sitting next to you. Let us stir one another up to love and good works. I'm Sorry to say it, but you cannot do that sitting on your couch watching services as a spectator. You are neglecting your responsibility that God gives to each of us to stir one another up. There is a collective nature of the work that we're doing here when we assemble together as Christians to worship God. And the neglect of that responsibility is what's being discussed here in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 and why it's so important that we not neglect the assembling of the saints. Because in doing so, we are taking what should be a collective an engaging activity in which together we give praise and glory and honor to God, and in doing so, we exhort and we edify and we build one another up. And neglecting to do so is not just taking that praise away from God and that worship away from God. You are taking away an opportunity to help and build up your brothers and your sisters. We cannot approach worship as a spectator event. And again, that applies whether we come here and do it or whether we stay home and watch it. We are to be actively engaged in fulfilling our responsibility to one another when we assemble. And that's point number two. That you have a responsibility to your brothers and sisters. It's not about attendance taking. It's not about seeing how high we can get the number on the backboard on a Sunday morning. It's not about any of those things. It's about praising God and fulfilling the responsibility that we have to one another. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had two lessons on a Sunday morning and a Sunday evening talking about this concept of one another in the New Testament. Remember, over 60 times, over 60 times in the New Testament, God gives specific instructions into how we are to interact with one another the role that we are to play in the lives of one another. We have responsibilities to each other. We have responsibilities to each other outside of our worship assemblies, and we have responsibilities to one another when we assemble together. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, as Paul writes to the Christians there in Ephesus, he, he addresses this idea of the responsibilities that we have to one another. Really, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, address this in its entirety. We're just going to look briefly at verses 15 and 16. So this is picking up in the middle of a sentence. Paul's saying there, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what? Every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And we talk a lot about how important the shepherds that we have here at Trader's Point are. And their, their value cannot be overstated. And we have wonderful song leaders that help lead us in singing. And we have very capable men who are able to stand at the Lord's table and direct our thoughts as we we commune with Christ and partake of the Lord's Supper. We have outstanding Bible class teachers here. But even if you're not involved in any of those, you play a crucial role in the growth of the Lord's body here at Trader's Point and if you're not here if you're not here it is going to stunt the growth of the lord's church because you have a role to play that's what paul is saying here in which every part does its job causes growth every part That means every single person has a responsibility to us as brothers and sisters and to the Lord as the head of the church to play a part in the growth of his body. We have to take that responsibility seriously. We have to recognize the important role that each of us play. We have to be diligent about finding and identifying that role. And then making sure that every time we have an opportunity to come together, we're doing our part. We're doing our part to to stimulate growth within the body. We're doing our part to build each other up. We're doing our part to correct and bring back an erring brother or sister. Every single one of us has an important role to play within the Lord's body. Very similarly, Paul will write in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, very, very similar language uh, that he uses here. But look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse number 27. Again, using this body imagery that he was talking about in Ephesians chapter 4. He says in verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. You see, we are all a part of the body of Christ, and we are members individually, and as members of the body of Christ, we should seek and desire ways in which we can be helpful and useful within that body. And so what is it that you can do? What are the things that you can help your brother and sister with? Seek out those things, desire those things, train yourselves in those areas. But those things are worthless if they're not put into practice and put into use, And so it's crucial that both in our assemblies and outside our assemblies, but in our theme for this evening, specifically when we assemble together, you are using the gifts that you've been given. In whatever way that may present itself in your own life, you are using those to build up your brother or your sister and to stimulate growth within the body of Christ. And then lastly... We simply cannot get around the fact that God makes it very clear that he expects, his expectation of Christians is that we assemble together to worship. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, we get a very clear indication there that the Christians in the days of Acts were meeting together on the first day of the week, and they were doing so to worship together and to partake of the Lord's Supper very clear, very direct indication of what the early Christians were doing. But one of my favorite passages in regards to this point is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So if you were there in chapter 12, you may not even have to turn the page. But, but listen listen to how clear a- a- and how persistent the Holy Spirit is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 18 through 20, in regards to the expectations of Christians in our assembling together. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 beginning in verse number 18. First of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it, for there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together, that's not all, (laughs) when you come together in one place, It is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. And the passage continues. And we'll oftentimes look at this passage or the instruction that it gives us in partaking of the Lord's Supper. But did you see how clear Paul was about what the expectations are of the church? When you come together, when you come together in one place, sometimes it it, It almost just brings a smile to my face as I think, if God wanted to make it any more clear, I don't know how he would do it. I don't know how you would say this any more clearly than when you come together, and when you come together in one place, here are the expectations I have for you. Christians are expected to assemble together. We talked about this in the high school class this morning. You can ask one of them afterwards, see if they remember what we talked about. You could ask them what, what church means in the Greek language. It simply means assembly. Even, even in the definition of the word church, we see the requirement to be together, to assemble. The Lord's church the Lord's assembly. When you turn to passages like Ephesians chapter 5, and you see what Christ has done for his church. He loved it so much he was willing to die for it. Again, in the high school class this morning, we turned to Matthew chapter 16, and we looked at the conversation that Jesus had with Peter. As he tells Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. That means that the church is Christ's. It belongs to him. He died for it because he loved it so much. And as such, he is the one who gets to give all direction. He is the one who gets to give all guidelines in regards to how the church acts, what we do, how we assemble. He is the one who gives those directives. Why? Because it is is his. And so if his expectation of his church is that we assemble together, we have no place to say otherwise. Now I understand, I, I, live, I lived through 2020 just like the rest of us did. I know how difficult that time period was. And there are going to be ramifications for a lot of Christians around the world in regards to how that time period was handled. And there is time for reflection on that and a great deal of prayer in regards to how we handle things moving forward. But one thing that I think is without question are God's expectations for his church. It simply cannot be questioned. The scriptures are too clear in regards to what Christ wants from his church as it pertains to our collective worship. So my hope and my desire is, as we think about this now, thankfully, somewhat, anyway, removed from the time period of 2020 and 2021, my hope is that it shines a spotlight on just how important this is. So that we can prepare ourselves for the next time Satan uses something like this to tempt Christians. Because we would be foolish to think that something that worked so well has been seen for the last time. There will be times, whether it's disease or whether it's something else, when obstacles will be placed in our path that will require us to think about how and when and if we assemble together as Christians. So go ahead and prepare for those times, whenever they may come, however they may look. But let's resolve within ourselves that every decision we make in regards to how we assemble together, if we assemble together, how we participate in worship All of those questions will be filtered through the lens of scripture. And allow Christ, the head of the church, the one who died for it, to give us the direction. Not men. It's it's not the church of man. Fill in the blank, whoever's name you may want to put in there. It's Christ's. Allow him to give us the direction. And we can have faith that if we remain true to his direction as his assembly, that the promises that he makes will be fulfilled. In Ephesians chapter 5, as Christ talks about this, what he says is that he is going to present the church to himself blameless and without spot. Because of what he has done and the sacrifice that he has made, The opportunity to be a part of his assembly has been made available to everyone. And his promise to you is that if you are a part of his church, that he will present you spotless and blameless before him. If you're here this evening and you haven't become a Christian, I know this hasn't necessarily been a sermon that specifically talks about the plan of salvation that God has to bring people to him. But I do believe that talking about and thinking about the importance of the Lord's church should, spot, should, sign, should shine a spotlight on just how important it is to be a part of that assembly, to be a part of that body. And this evening, the invitation is extended to anyone who is currently outside of that body to meet Jesus at the cross and give your life to him and allow him to cleanse you of your sins and to welcome you into his assembly, into his body. So you can take part in the work that is being done here you can be a peace that stimulates growth in this local body. You can get to work as a child of God's, following his direction, following his guidelines, living a life of freedom, free from the bondage of sin, and a life that will one day lead us to an eternity in home with heaven. It's a wonderful gift that is being extended to everyone here. And if you've done that, maybe, maybe you've had some challenges along the way. Maybe it has been in regards to our worship assemblies or other things like that. I would encourage you to give serious consideration to how we approach our worship assemblies and the importance that we place on those, not out of fear of being counted as absent, but because we realize the important work that takes place when we come together. We realize the great opportunity that we have to build one another up, and to collectively worship and praise God. If you need to make some changes in regards to your relationship with the Lord and how you have handled his assemblies, I would encourage you to do that. And if there is something that you think the church collectively here could help you with, we'd be happy to pray for you. We'd be happy to work with you as we all try and grow closer to God and one day meet him in heaven. So if we can help you this evening in any way, please come to the front and let us know as we stand and sing. That's right.